Hi, everybody. Before we get into the episode, just a quick programming note. Usually, Aislinn and I take off the month of August, and uh, this <laughs> this year, uh, events just got away from us, and I didn't get this episode edited in time to release in June, which is when it was supposed to be released. And so I guess we took off the month of June. So uh, we're going to release this here at the end of uh, of July and then have a show for you in August and every month uh, moving forward. So I apologize for how late this is getting out to you, but I think it's a really fun episode um, about a movie that we actually actually had a lot to say about. Um, and so uh, I hope you enjoy. And we, we are back on our uh, regular schedule. All right, thanks. The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Your dad's gonna be okay. He's not my dad. I'm sorry, your granddad's gonna be okay. Men my age. Men your age may be really stupid. You ever think of that? Many times. When something happens to you that's never happened to you before, don't you have to at least find out what it is? Welcome to The Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Aislinn Addington. And I'm Tobin Addington. And uh, we have a fabulous guest with us today, a filmmaker and a writer and a theater director and designer and uh, 360 camera movie guru and um, uh, someone who is able to combine the tech and the heart uh, in, in, in his work. Um, we have with us today, uh, David Mills Lowe. David, welcome to The Contenders. I'm so happy to be here. Hello, hello. <laughs> David is one of the first non-family members that I saw wearing our swag. In fact, the first, yeah, the first non-family member that I saw wearing wearing a Contenders, contenders swag. So uh, go to Tee Public. Uh, search for the Contenders podcast, order yourself some swag, and uh, you, maybe you can come be on the show too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's the key, right? <laughs> um, we are open to bribery. Always. Uh, today, we are talking about the 2003 classic, Something's Gotta Give. <laughs> can you hear the the eye roll in, in, that, in that sentence? Because I did. I, <laughs> I mean, alternatively titled white people wearing white pants, making bad choices. Sure, sure. But that didn't fit on the poster. Um, (laughs) So, uh, gentlemen, um, uh, what is what is y'all's history with this movie? Had you seen it before this watching or is this new material to um, to David? Let's start with our guest. Um, this was, uh, this was a first time through for me. Um, I, it, there, there was sort of a Jack Nicholson late life career renaissance that happened during a certain period of time where he was doing a lot of films. And this was one of the ones that came out during that. And and one that was like, well, with that cast, I should probably see it. And then I just never did. It, yeah, all those component parts, right? Right. I'm also a father of four. Um, and so I sometimes come to things very late because uh, if it's not Disney, it's not playing. 
So <laughs> totally <laughs> understood. Absolutely. If it's not frozen for the millionth time, it's not. Yeah. It's not going to be played. <laughs> Tobin, how about you? Was this your first your first time through? Oh no, I've seen this movie a lot. Um, I was uh, living in New York at the time the mo- this movie came out, and I, what I remember are all the bus posters the, 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 on the side of the bus that had their two faces. And it was Jack and Diane is the way that they marketed the thing, which is pretty clever. I thought that was pretty clever. Um, and uh, so I, I'm not sure if I saw it in the theater. I might have. I, I don't know. Um, but I have a soft spot for Nancy Myers uh, that will, will she's, who's the writer director of this movie, uh, which and we'll talk a lot about that as we as we get into it. Um, and so I saw it some somewhere at, at release or soon after. Um, I think I watched it with our mom sometime or maybe I just remember walking through the room while she was watching it or certainly talking to her about it. Um, and then uh, I was on a, a cop, uh, uh, an episode of the Keanu Reeves podcast through cage club uh, and was uh, for this movie and for a variety of reasons became a huge defender of this movie on that podcast for reasons that we'll get into in, in the, in the, in the show. Uh, I was holding up her hands. Like she's uh, as it, as it pertains to the Keanu of it all. I am here for it. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, um, that, that's the last time I saw this movie. It was a couple of years ago for for uh, Ke- the Keanu Club show. And now uh, and now I've watched it again happily. I would say similarly to you, Tobin, I think my um, experience with it is walking through the room when our, our mother and or grandmother were watching it. I remember hearing people laugh about the blood pressure um, during intimate moments scene that (laughs) seemed to resonate um, with others. Uh, That being said, I have never sat down and watched it. And also I don't even know if that would have helped because my understanding is that our mother has not watched it all the way through. That's right. Um, Like, I do with Little Women, or did with Little Women, the 90s version, mm-hmm. would stop it at a certain point to have the ending I wanted. Um, I believe uh, our mother stopped it while um, while Keanu was still the main man. Uh, so, and, and honestly, I agree with that interpretation of that. We will get there. Good. That may have been what I may have, because our mom also likes to know the endings of movies and books before she embarks on on them. And so I, what may have happened is I may have seen it in the theater, said, Mom, you got to watch this, but just know that she ends up with Jack Nicholson at the end. And if I, I may have tipped her off on that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Because yes, we'll, you're a we'll good... You're a good, attentive son and teammate in that way. Yeah. Um, speaking of things you're good at, Tobin, uh, could you give us a couple of bits of film history, please? Absolutely. So writer-director Nancy Myers uh, conceived the lead roles for Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. She'd worked with Diane Keaton a number of times before they did uh, Father of the Bride 1 and Father of the Red 2, uh, also classics in our house, uh, and Baby Boom. She wrote Baby Boom. Um, uh, well, actually, she wrote those up the others as well. But um, she and her husband were kind of a writing directing team for those uh, movies early in her career. Um, and so, uh, so she, Diane Keaton has funny stories about um, 
going to lunch with Nancy Nancy. So I'm writing this movie. It's for you. And I think, I think maybe Jack Nicholson and then uh, is like, yeah, right. Anybody, nobody's going to put us in a movie. Right. Sure. Like, you know, big, big Hollywood, you know, studio movie. And then, okay, I've got the script. Okay, good. But nobody's, no studio is going to want it. And like piece by piece, eventually it all, it all um, uh, came together. Uh, the other thing is that Nancy Maris has a reputation for um, real attention to detail and uh, exacting expectations for, um, for her crew in ways that often with men get lauded as, oh, they're so, they're so, they're such a genius. So, you know, David Fincher does 70 takes and he's a genius. And um, that there is a history of crew members on her movies um, not coming back or grumbling because she's, um, acting like some of these big studio male directors. Um, but anyway, one of the things that she ha- is, pays a lot of attention to is the production design in the movie, the white pants and the white walls, uh, uh, as well as the white uh, actress, as you're saying, Aislinn. Um, and there's this quote that I found um, where she said, the look of the movie is important to me in terms, of, in terms of design, because I tend to write movies that take place in bedrooms, kitchens, and living rooms rather than on grand landscapes. It's fun for me to continue to define the characters through the places they choose to live. Uh, which gets also to things about this movie, her movies being that they're very um, domestic. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're involved in people's interior lives and they're inside a lot. Um, and so uh, uh, that often doesn't get the, the uh, kudos uh, cinemat- cinematographically uh, that um, you know, big action scenes or landscapes do. So anyway, those are my two bits of film history. Now that you mentioned those things, I absolutely intend to rewatch father of the bride father of the bride 2 and baby boom over the weekend because <laughs> i do love all of those um contributions indeed Isla, could you take us through uh ladies in charge women involved in major roles in something's gotta give i would love to and this time i did look ahead at names <laughs> so we'll see if that helps or not Writer-director, Nancy Myers. Producers, Nancy Myers and Suzanne Farwell. Powerhouse actors, Diane Keaton, Frances McDormand, and Amanda Peet. Casting, Janet Hershenson and Jane Jenkins. Sound direction, Beth Beth Rubino. And costume design, Suzanne McCabe. Tobin, please give us a plot summary and please tell us you wrote this one. This one I wrote. Those are the best ones. All right, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Perpetual, quote, older man bachelor and ultimate skis fest, Harry Sanborn, played with maximum lecherousness by Jack Nicholson, inadvertently falls for his girlfriend's mother, Erica Berry, a highly successful, if neurotic playwright played with classic Diane Keaton energy by, well, Diane Keaton. Complications ensue, not the least of which comes in the form of handsome Dr. Julian Mercer, a lovely low-key Keanu Reeves, who's not only a big fan of Erica's work, but also wants to date her. The romantic entanglements twist and turn until our mother turns off the movie at what seems like the happy ending for Erica and Julian, only, of course, there's a coda in which a, quote, reformed Harry swoops back into the movie and sweeps Erica off her feet. But I like the first ending better. <laughs> fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous. So, folks. 
thoughts? <laughs> where to begin? Where where to begin? David, what were your what were you what were your expectations going into the movie, and how did the movie meet, exceed, or uh, or underperform your expectations? Okay, so I, I think that um, I had conflated a number of films from about this period with about the same cast, um, and so there were certain things that that. I thought we're maybe coming and I was like, Oh no, that's a different one. Oh crap. I don't know what that one is. Okay. Um, I, I will tell you um, from the title, I expected at least Frank Sinatra or a cover, <laughs> um, but maybe Mel Gibson had taken all of that when, when they did what women want. I don't uh-huh. know that, that they, they might've eaten up all the Sinatra, um, but um, I did what, what I've done is, is I've gone through the film. And I've made the Mills low cut as, as opposed to the Snyder cut, which would be, you know, just everything that ever happened in it. And it's right. just Frances McDormand, <laughs> just her bit. She was so awesome in this film. I, I, I watched and was like, she was the one that I laughed the, the most at mm-hmm. and was the most surprised by. And the one I was like, wait, when's she coming back? Agreed. <laughs> I feel like she got it. Yeah. You know, and, and a lesser yeah. actor, would have potentially approached that dinner scene um, and just been the angry feminist stirring the pot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and that Mm -hmm. was a moment where my expectations were subverted a little bit um, because yes, she was amazing. And I agree. I, I, I'm upset that this movie seems to, I don't want to say waste the talent, but maybe take for granted the talent of some of the folks mm. in it. Um, and certainly mm. Frances McDormand, top of my list there. Isla, say more. You love Frances McDormand. Oh you had God. you had trouble. Let's dig into the trouble. Let's dig into the trouble you had with this movie. We could start with Jack or okay. wherever you want. Okay, happy to. Um, I want to start by saying... What I one of the aspects I really like about the content of this movie is um, mm-hmm. middle age to you know near retirement. I don't you know um, or kind of second second marriage. I mean that love for folks over forty five and and intimacy intimacy mm-hmm. and sex and all those things. I think that's great and. And since then, since this movie, we've had things like It's Complicated is one that that I do think works pretty well with some of these things. Also, very whitewashed in all the ways. But um, but that's one where I found more people to root for, for example. And then I'm also a huge Grace and, Grace and Frankie fan. And this house really reminded me of the house in, in that yeah, totally. um, as well. And so I just... As I'm being critical, I want to be clear. I'm not coming at it from an ageist, like, that's gross approach. Right. While I might say that's gross a couple of times, it's not about the age of the folks. It's about the character or characters. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand that the movie is about, to some extent, Jack Nicholson, Harry, Harry's. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry's yeah. journey to, I'm putting be a better person in quotes. Um, sure. 
And I, in 2021, I'm sorry. I just don't care. I'm, he's the least interesting person. He's the least interest or the least, um, I think worthy of that discovery. And even in that discovery, he's putting the work on everyone else, which is Mm -hmm. something we still see going on a lot when, you know, folks in the majority of whatever say, oh, teach me about this. What am I doing wrong? That he goes back and puts that emotional labor on all these women that may or may not have felt taken advantage of. Like, that's not about him being better. That's about him bringing up, you know, shit that people have probably had to work through. Um, and so that's where a lot of my eye rolling comes from. And again, that, that being said, I also love me some Amanda Pete, but I think it was roles like this that made me think mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of her. And I remember there were a couple of times, Tobin, that you were like, no, no, she's really good in X, Y, Z. And now I am a huge right. Pete head. Um, <laughs> and so I think that that's frustrating to me too, that you have these amazing, like Frances McDormand, Amanda Peet, amazing women who don't get to do very much. Diane Keaton does get to do a lot and it's very Keaton-y. I mean, in a way that I would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a Jeff Goldblum scale on which he's Jeff Goldblum. Um, there's, there's a Michael Keaton scale on which he's Michael Keaton. Yeah. And I think yeah. what this is a great example of is the Keaton scale, the Diane Keaton scale. Um, and so I, I will, I will. She goes full Keaton. She goes movie. full Keaton. And, and I could feel that being asked of her. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of people enjoy that and Yes, I enjoy that too, but I I was so distracted by the bullshit that I wasn't interested in. David, what did you make of Jack Nicholson in this movie? Um, well, my, my my partner was talking to me briefly. She she popped in and out of the film. Uh, we were going to watch it together, but then she life's been a little nutty, so so she caught you know ten minutes of it, but she's like. I just don't find him sexy. I think he's always smirking. (laughs) Um, And it it was, it felt, it felt so he, when he came in with Amanda Pete, it felt like back in the, in the early to middle nineties when I was in college and uh, my professors, certain professors were hanging out with young women like that. And it was just like, come on guys. Um. One of the things that I was thinking, I have all these things popping in my head because because it's 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 sort of hard to pin this thing down. It's not one of those mm-hmm. films that I was like, that was a that was a tour de force that rock. <laughs> but it was like because there's 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 an element of it that feels like there's two films. There's it's like we've got we've got Jack Nicholson's protagonist track and then we've got Diane Keaton's protagonist track. And that's why it's so long is because we've got yeah. to work through both of those. Um, but it also reminded me, and I think it's appropriate that she was she was a playwright, um, and it might have been fun to actually see some more of that stuff involved because it was very. Uh, it reminded me of a play a lot. His mugging, mm-hmm. his mugging for the camera was was very farce stage mm-hmm. stuff, and, totally. and and a lot of her stuff. It was it was way over the top for for a lot of what happens in a, in a film. And so it's, so it, yeah, it's it sort of, 
there was that element of that they were they were trying to to insert that slapstick in there as well. That's mm-hmm. such but, a great point. Yeah, lots of thoughts. It did not occur to me yeah. until now. And now you're so right, David. It's I might have enjoyed it more if I thought of it as a play. I don't know why, but maybe that would have helped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, I, that's so clear now that you say it. But I think it it, it also speaks to Nancy Myers that her the, the her her choice to shoot in in living rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and all of that stuff. It's very it, some of those things feel very much like a set. Um, mm-hmm. where we might be doing something um, like that. I, I will say with her attention to detail, when Diane Keaton finishes the script and the grass outside is lit in such a way that it looks like fireworks going off. And it was like, that's an awesome shot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There, there's a, this all gets to um, uh, my uh, grand unified theory of Nancy Myers movies, um, which, which, I birthed in that podcast. You can go back and listen to it. The um, Something's got to give podcast on the Keanu uh, uh, cast. Um, the, which is that um, she creates, she's, she's more interested in, in um, surfaces than underneath in terms of both the um, people and the locations and the clothes and everything um, that there is a, there's a deliberate, and I'm not saying this is a pejorative way. There's a deliberate um, artificiality to it all that that harkens more back to like early studio movies, where it's clear that it's rear projection. That no one no one believes yeah. it's actually it's a person driving. <laughs> it's clear it's a set, right? It's clear that they're that they're actors acting. That it, they're not people. Um, and so she's she's orchestrating a fantasy. She's orchestrating a living fantasy uh, in the same way that the, the, the analogy I used in um, the Keanu episode was that it's John Wick for like middle aged white women. Right. Like it's it is it is a it is a um, imagine yourself in this life, in this world sumptuous. Enjoy the, the witty conversation being pursued by. Men of various really ages. For sure. um, it's all aspirational. It's all aspirational. Exactly. Um, and so when you view it through the lens of she's, she makes really expensive movies um, uh, for an audience that does not get really expensive movies did until they don't wouldn't give her money anymore. And the movies made a ton of money. <laughs> the movies, the movie she directed, um, uh, um, she's a co-director or directed the parent trap remake. Uh, what women want. Something's got to give the holiday. It's complicated. And the intern, those are the, those are the features that, that she's made. And they all fall into this. Like none of them feel real in the way that we often want or expect our movies to feel real. It, I'm not saying any of this excuses the Jack Nicholson stuff. I, I really, I was on my phone a lot when he was on screen this time around. <laughs> Cause I just, I, I, I like to forget that part of the movie exists. Mm. Um, but I am in it for Diane Keaton and especially for her scenes with, with Keanu, um, which in my, in the, the Tobin cut of this movie are those scenes <laughs> with as much Francis McGormand as I can get uh, in there with it. Isla. I, I have a Nancy Myers question for you in a second, but I just cannot go on any longer until I say this, as you're bringing up the Keanu scenes. I 
I feel slighted and I, I, I almost want to say it is unforgivable to make me sit through that love scene in quotes with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. Again, Diane Keaton doing her best. Yes. <laughs> and I had to sit through that grossness <laughs> again not because they're older folks not because the just because of him as a character and my yep. um the way in which my pants button tighter when i see him on screen if you will um <laughs> why they made me sit through that and did not give me that keanu scene we saw some gourmet kisses from keanu but I'm I'm wildly disappointed that that was the scene we got and and the other did not exist. So in my mind later, I will be directing that scene, if you will. Um, So Tobin, as a, because you have Nancy Myers theories, um, you just listed off some things. Are you able to, to rank for me a a top two or top three? And I, I understand these things fluctuate, as time goes by, but here now in 2021, what, what are your top two Nancy Myers? Okay. So this is where it gets a little, a little complicated because she started her career as a writer. Uh, she, Private Benjamin is her first writing credit. Um, and then she wrote a bunch of movies that her, with her husband um, that he directed. And by all accounts, she was a full integral partner in the process um, and then she began directing uh, or maybe they co-directed um, the first two movies I can't remember but anyway her divorce came later in life and plays into a lot of the movies that she makes afterwards on her own um, you can see echoes of her what is understood publicly of her relationship with her uh, with her ex-husband in the director, the Diane Keaton's ex-husband in this, who's director. I mean, it's, it's all, she's, pl- she's, she's working and stuff also, out. And also I would say it's um, complicated in, as later in the process, but, but also really totally. um, hit some of those same signposts for sure. Cause they, they vacation together, you know, I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole, uh, it's a whole thing. Um, so, but if, of the, of the movie, so if we're adding in the ones that she has, that she wrote, then I would probably put the two father, of the prize as my favorite. But if we're looking at the ones that she fully, fully directed, I think maybe this one and it's complicated or maybe my favorite sometimes, um, it's complicated swaps out for the holiday, which, has the same kind of problems in some ways that this one does in, in terms of some of the characters and the, you know, who, who you can and can't, uh, there, there's like multiple movies going on. I like one of those movies, not the other movie. Um, but the, I, I would maybe put, maybe put, um, I, I'm not seeing the intern in a long time, so I don't know where that would fit with it anyway. So, but I, I, this may be my favorite Nancy Myers movie. Um, that's, that's so interesting. I, 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 I just <laughs> real quick. As an aside, I'm. There have been times where I have been a fan of something on this podcast that perhaps I shouldn't. Perhaps it's more nostalgia. Perhaps it's um, an ode to a younger version of myself, etc. And I felt like I had to come here and and compromise a little bit. I don't know that we've been in this position before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love it. And I, I do want to hear more about why it's your favorite. I'm, I'm happy to ask you that straight out. I'm also happy to let it, um, you know, 
bubble up as we go. Um, what's your favorite scene I, I in this movie, Tobin? I like, uh, oh gosh. I mean, um, her, Dan Keaton's writing, uh, that, that stuff I think is really, really fun. Um, the scene, the, the, her first date with Keanu, um, I thought you'd smell good. Um, you know, like he's delivering lines that also could be really creepy. Like he's pulling stuff off. That's like, but, but he's, but he's, he plays it. So he underplays it, I think so much. And, And maybe it's that he often feels artificial to me as well as an actor. And so in a movie where everybody's artificial, it really, it really sort of works for me. Um, so that, that may be, that may be, yeah, look, I, I, I don't, I don't own any of these movies. Like I, she's not like a person that I'm, I, I just really, I really respect what she's able to do. And I think it gets, I don't think it gets her movies. I don't think get enough kind of critical attention for the kinds of movies she was able to muscle through the studio system for all their flaws. And so I have, I have, I bring, I'm bringing all of that. Like I bring a lot of generosity to the movie, I think um, that maybe the movie doesn't warrant, but I'm, but I'm like, I'm carrying the Nancy Myers banner and I'm marching into the movie saying, go Nancy. Even if maybe there are for sure parts that I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> you can't do that. Or, or it's just bad. Like there are things that are just bad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not defending the movie so much as, loving yeah, it. Absolutely. Um, David, where, where do you, um, come to the Nancy Myers catalog? Are you to align with Tobin in, in that um, flag carrying or do you come at it from a different way? Um, I am going to say that I didn't realize how many Nancy Myers films I have watched. Um, and it's, it, it was like, as Tobin started listing them, I was like, Oh, 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 right. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, and 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 so I'm I'm I am not uh, informed enough to have a super uh, coherent uh, opinion on it, but I I enjoy some of it. There 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 was I found myself being being reminded of other things at times, and and you meant you mentioned. Um, Earlier, for instance, the 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 uh, the blood pressure sex scene, um, those and those those laughs that are aimed at a certain a very specific demographic um, that that isn't me, but I I get it. Um, but I <laughs> I wrote with 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 one of my um, my producers in Phillipsburg. I wrote a 1950s menopause comedy, and. There were the jokes for me. And then there were the the things that she put in that she was like, okay, we've got the 3 a.m. scene. We've got the, this scene. We've got that. There's, there's these certain things that when women came in to watch this play, um, women of a certain age were like, oh my God, it's so true. Oh my God. Oh my God. Watch this. Everything is gospel in here. And, and I was just like, <laughs> I was just putting things in because I was I was told this is the thing. And so I she she gives me the factual thing and then I make it work dramatically. And so but it was it was it sort of some of some of the elements of this reminded me of that. They, they made me think of my of my mom uh, and just as she's gone through this this later life romance and and things like that and stumbling into 
various things. We're not going to get into that deeply, but, but yeah, <laughs> there were certain elements. It was just like, Oh, that's what my mom has to feel yeah. right now. She's like, she would be totally taken aback with Keanu Reeves said, um, I'd like to kiss you now. Yeah. I was like, well, what? Okay. Well, what? All right. So yeah, that, that's, that's, that's my feel. I don't have a super strong, I don't know. I, I feel like, like I, I had mentioned what women want earlier. And I think that, that there's, I don't know enough of Nancy Myers to say if, if it feels like she's, she's maybe pandering to a certain thing or playing with elements of, of something. I know that some films that I've gone back to from this era really don't hold up. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so, so yeah, I, I may have to go back and wander through some of these just to see if, if my memories of them, you know, when, when you're 19 and, and laugh at something and then, right. and then go back with, with a full life and intact and, and, and go, Oh, well, that's really inappropriate. And <laughs> sure. Awful. Yeah. Different okay. things are funny. Right, different right. things are horrifying. Um, right. As, and Tobin, you're welcome to take this out. Um, as someone who's gone through a, a chemically induced menopause, um, and, and is looking toward the second one, um, later, uh, <laughs> I would love to read that piece of yours <laughs> if, that, if that's available somewhere or, or view it um, because I, I, I can totally share awesome because there, there should be more discussion of those things. So uh, again, I'm, I'm yeah. all for exploring whole personhood through the life course. I think that's grand. I just don't want to watch people fawn over Jack Nicholson and that yeah, all right. three of them thinking again to that dinner scene early on, which I, again, I understand is setting up their, their like conflict um, or their chemistry or what have you, that all three of them were like, Oh, but he's so charming. Mm -hmm, I'm just like, right. and maybe 18 years ago. Okay. But knowing all the things we know now about power and about um systems of oppression i apologize i talked a whole group of um violence preventionists through the gender box activity and how that intersects with other oppressions today so that's on my mind so knowing kind of what we know now i am not charmed by any of his and because of the Diane Keaton of it all, because of these things that you're sharing, Tobin, about Nancy Myers and, and how this intersects with her life, there is enough charm for me to make it through the movie to enjoy this discussion. It's just none of it is brought to me by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jack Nicholson is doing, you know. The the as with so many actors who are around for so long, who have such long careers, you know, you can divide you, in retrospect, you can kind of divide there. You know, you know that once Al Pacino did Scent of a Woman, like that's kind of the shtick he played in almost everything since then. Right. And there's a this is, you know, he's it's six years after as good as it gets, which he wins an Oscar for. for for this same arc and for being a completely reprehensible person who somehow people are supposed to find super charming and, you know, which, and you can trace that all the way back to, you know, which is of Eastwick. And it's all, there's been this thing in, in his 
past as a as a romantic lead um, uh, or romantic interest in in a movie. Um, that's been this like I'm the lascivious one who you can't help but fall for. I mean, and and of course it's playing with his public persona of being a man who's a perpetual bachelor and dates very much, very younger women. Um, uh, so, you know, the, the problem is it's not really playing with it. It's just like she's showing it to us. Right. And it, I, I, I don't know that it read much better. It must've read better than, um, th- than it does, than it does now. What I'm wondering is, wondering is, is the problem, the character more than the actor or the actor more than the character. Like I'm wondering if you put somebody else in this role, I'm thinking about the two guys from it's complicated. Like if you put Alec Baldwin or um, Steve Martin. Uh, or Steve Martin in that role, does it change it enough that it would make it, you know, not so skeevy? That's a great question. Because Steve Martin can be skeevy when he tries, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say he would probably be the one from my perspective that would give it the most nuance and that it would play against maybe public persona a little bit. Whereas mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin also has had, you know, a number of publicly problematic moments. Um, but most of them is since this movie. Right. right. Oh, right. So if we're putting so it at back the, to- at the time. Yeah. Yeah. If you're making it, if you're making it then, mm-hmm. I mean, without it might look the same to us now, seeing Alec Baldwin and go, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but, but maybe with Steve Martin, it would be more goofy and less like gross. Yeah. I don't know, Dave. What do you think? Um, maybe it, it needed to be Jeff Goldblum. Yes, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> or um, <laughs> President Bartlett. Oh, Martin. I'm borrowing from Grace and oh, Frank. Wrong president. Yeah, different president. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, either of those. Either I like either of those, or or Bill Pullman for that matter. Because as we know, Bill Pullman can do anything. <laughs> he can. He really can. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've I've been thinking thinking about the about the ending and the and the false ending or the, the ending A that yeah. the one that was for me absolutely satisfying. And and I think part of why it was satisfying was because Jack Nicholson's character did get his comeuppance and he had to stop and think and he didn't win. And it was like, oh, maybe we've learned a lesson from this and mm-hmm. you can take this now on into the next section of your life and go, maybe I shouldn't be such a whatever. Um, and, and so, it, yeah, that was <laughs> – so yeah, attacking the happy ending on it made me so unhappy. Yeah, I agree. The part at, toward that that end, and we've mentioned it briefly, but I would like to talk to you both about it because it gets into your professional worlds. Um, so in this case, so I I, I really like that Eric Berry. We learn is likely the most famous female playwright you know, since low in, in the yep, United in the States at that 30, time. 40 years. Yep. Yep. So one love that Keanu recognizes her by name because he loves her plays. Stop it. Um, but, but she, so she's already successful and in this case is having trouble and really transcribes a lot of what's going on into this work that becomes a success. So as you are both folks that produce 
narratives <laughs> in different ways. How how did that hit you? Does that ring true to some processes you're aware of? Is that do you have to ask people when you do that kind of stuff? How how did how did that part um, work for you all as professionals? David. Uh, oh, good. Um, well, it reminded me of a poetry class I had in about probably about 1993 or 94, um, in which I came with a verbatim, a verbatim poem that that was was pulled from some overheard dialogue. And, and I just put it down into this thing. And I thought, well, this is a really hot dog. And I took it to the teacher. And he's like, eh, it's not very good. And I'm like, yeah, but it actually happened. He's like, don't be tied down by reality. Don't don't let the facts slow you down. Write it better. Um, and so I, I know that that idea works for some people of, of pulling things in verbatim or, or taking those, you know, stealing somebody's thoughts. But um, I and I I know that I do every, everything I write probably has some basis in the world that I live in. But sure. it also um, is is twisted away and 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 if somebody looks at it and goes well this is about your first ex-wife or something like that and i'm like well no not really it's 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 about something else but you're just reading that into it so i uh, um yeah that's that's my mumbles about it what about you tobin yeah i mean it, it's like everything else in the movie it's the there and this is so often true in movies about writers writing things is that they're you know, they're so clearly grafting the narrative they're experiencing onto the narrative they're creating in the movie, which is a, you know, an exaggerated artificial version of it's a convenience of narrative to do that in the narrative you're watching. Sure. I mean, even even um, little, the more recent, the Greta Gerwig Little Women, which I think does a really nice job of how hard it is to find your voice and, and you know, and, and write a thing that has, you know, real you know, integrity to it. Um, even that has a, the air of like, well, but is this, is she, how much is this she just borrowing from her? Not just borrowing. That's not the right way to say it. Um, pro- probably more directly grafting her life into her work than, than is actually the case. Um, so, you know, it's convenient. Like everything else in this movie, it's all, it's all convenient. Yeah, it's all, know? it's all um, delivered. It's all very DoorDash. <laughs> it's all delivered right to the front yes. door of the beach house. <laughs> Which again is the aspiration. I would like that to happen too. I think that would be great to to have my writer's block at a you know um, Hamptons beach house and have Keanu Reeves fawning all over me and you know have my work just appear. Um, uh, not if I had to deal with technical sin, but uh, um, so so yeah, it's it's a convenient thing you know in the movies. I I do I think I respond to her actually breaking through and doing the writing and like. It's just, I've never written like that, like, you know, where you're laughing as you're, I mean, it's just, it doesn't work from, in my experience that way, but that's sometimes how it feels or how I would want it to feel again, aspirationally. Um, And so, uh, and so I enjoy it on that, on that uh, score Um, to to echo back to something that, uh, that David was saying the, about the second ending, the, the, the um, quote unquote real ending, (laughs) the, the Jack Nicholson ending, it makes me like her less. That's one of the things I like the least about that ending is that then in retrospect, I'm 
or you know in the present i'm judging her which is again why this time i did make myself watch the whole ending this time because i thought well for the show i gotta watch the whole ending and i just like i almost went back and watched the keanu ending again stopped it so that would be just uh hovering in my brain but i but i'm i i judge i judge her um i judge erica based on the decision she makes at the end in a way that like call it yeah. you know like shades everything that's happened before in a negative negative more negative way so i i bummer. certainly agree and i i had a reaction i'm i'm curious um what y'all think of so i knew that they would end up together because i know that my mom stops the movie blah 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 so in that scene and i was quite fatigued of all that was going on at the time um so i'm, I'm adding that into it but when we sure. got to the the dinner scene in the restaurant when um, Jack Nicholson basically crashes their um, their dinner, I liked Keanu mm-hmm. less in that scene. I found him to be mm-hmm. kind of hanging on, and and in all the other scenes, it was so much about Erica the person, and this seemed to be more performative. But I don't know if that's just because I knew that he was going to like step aside. Mm within seconds like is that what it is or or does that scene feel differently about the Keanu character just objectively that's my question did y'all like Keanu in that scene or did he have that full charm or did it wane I I felt I felt what you're talking about too yeah it it was I think um I, I liked him better when he was in scrubs um than when he was dressed up for Paris. Yeah. I think, I think that was it. It was just his outfit. Everything else was great about his performance. It was just his clothes. I think the outfit and like, I think there's a way to be your partner's biggest fan, which is fantastic. And I love to see that. And because I'm, I, I love it when there's like a team and they're able to support each other. And I just didn't feel... It, it didn't feel the same as when he was on the couch reading her work. There was something that just, right. and it could be because Jack Nicholson was there. So he was performing differently and he was clearly reacting yeah, to it could be. the energy of the room. I, 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 um, it's tough. I've always thought, and I don't know if this is me reading into it probably is at least in part because I don't like that. The, the actual ending the movie has that it reads to me as, Nancy Myers bending the characters so we don't feel quite as bad when she ends up with Jack, right? Like you have to, she's, she's built Keanu to be, you know, an idealization. Uh, and so is there some element of, of having to knock that back a little bit so that we're not really upset when she goes off with Jack? Cause the, you know, the, the studio would never have made the movie at the budget they did right. if she didn't end up with Jack Nicholson, which is, you know, so it's like it's that whole thing of like, how far can you can you push the system? And she pushes the system pretty goddamn far in a lot of ways and not enough in many others. But and this is one of those where where, it, you know, um, that's, that's that's always been my read is like I feel the script bending him negative mm-hmm. in order to sort of salve the any wound you might feel that she's going to choose Jack Nicholson over Keanu Reeves. That's, that's a good point. Thank you for that. That that helps me. And thinking about who are the people, I mean, the studio, who are the people making those choices are probably, their identities probably much more aligned with Jack Nicholson than Diane sure. Keaton or Keanu. So 
totally. While it's not okay, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, so we've talked about Jack and we've talked about Diane and we talked a little bit, we talked about Keanu and we touched on um, uh, Francis McDormand, who uh, I agree is so alive in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, uh, um, what about, you, you, I guess you did mention Amanda Pete. I no, guess that was the really other one. What about John Favreau? Get into it. Well, yeah, we can. <laughs> okay. Like what, what was that, that entourage <laughs> moment then we don't, there's yeah. no real payoff for them. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to spend a little more time with Amanda Pete. I let's do it. Let's do it. I, I think it was an interesting choice. And, and I don't, I don't think she looks old in this movie, but she looks like a grown up in a way that mm -hmm. in that first very clearly <laughs> green screen car scene that she's sort of, teasing him about his bachelor ways. It took me a minute because I knew there was supposed to be like that she was the person. But I was like, is she his assistant? And he's meeting a young girl. Like she seemed to know better from the beginning. Yeah. And, and I think that might be yeah. just the Pete of it all. But but I, I love her. I'm glad she's here. And I didn't, it didn't feel authentic. Like I didn't, I didn't believe that she would be kind of taken in by him in that way. Right. What did, what did y'all think of the, of the Pete? I don't see their chemistry at all when they're together in the opening scenes and she's like taking off her clothes and they're, they haven't had sex and they're going to now. And they're, it's like, I, I just don't, and, and part of it is just the Jack mugging, you know, it's the far stuff that, that David mentioned. It's a great, great way to put it. I hadn't thought about it being on stage, but that is, that is what it feels like. Uh, or maybe where, where it would work better. But I, I don't, I just don't believe she'd be into him. I, I, I don't see it. I don't understand. And, and, and it's not in a, again, you know, because of his age so much as the movie's not presenting to me the charm or the when it's presenting her as so smart yeah. and i don't mean smart and like wise. not dumb but like aware that's it like wise like like she kind of understands what's going on so i i i there i i like her chemistry so much more with Frances McDormand and Diane Keaton than I do with, Jack, which is like fair. That's the whole movie. I, I feel like that with the whole movie with anybody and, and Jack. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like her. I'm glad that they ca cast someone who plays the role smart and knowing, because I think that it complicates things a little bit. Um, and I'm always happy to, always happy to see her. Uh, but it's, there's not much she can do with the part. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot there. I also didn't like how they wrapped up her stuff so quickly as well. Right. She's <laughs> yeah. having, um, a, a sort of crisis, is not the right word, but, um, but she's sort of slapped in the face by her dad's engagement to a younger woman. And, and while she, and that's the thing, that's that knowing thing, right. We established, she understood the age issue at the beginning of the movie. So right. that, you know, was a disconnect for me, but, um, but yes, she seems so together, but keeps saying that she's not and can't keep a relationship. Like it seems like she was in a completely different movie. And then they also <laughs> tied this up of, Oh, six months in six months, I've met married 
and am three months pregnant with this person that we've never <laughs> met. So why do I care? Yeah, it, it was. She seemed like she was being used as a plot device. Um, a lot of the times it was <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm you're here to set up this chunk. Okay, now now we're upset about dad, and we've got to bring that in. And so it was these. It was these. She was sort of like the the catalyst, but she didn't get to have a life of her own in a lot of it. Um, there, I believe that her husband uh, is in the auction scene. Um, as I was watching it, as she's setting up, she's been crying. She goes out, she starts doing the auction, and there's a guy sitting right next to her that is looking at her with an un an incredible amount of passion love and and obsession in his eyes it's so it was so weird i was looking at him just going this guy needs to back off this is crazy but then but then it's like he walks out and it's like oh it's the dude from the auction he was Uh, literally uh, he was so in love uh, with her and so passionate about her and thought she was the bee's knees and and they ended up together. I, I I could be absolutely wrong that it's the same actor, um, and and maybe maybe there was another twelfth act that involved their love story somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, at, at least in my mind, that's that's the arc that happened in 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 the six months. Oh, great! That's helpful. Thank you. <clears throat> and she did say several times, like she meets so many people at work. Um, it would make so much sense in a Nancy Myers movie to have visually that planted there, even if you didn't, you know, even if you didn't know it. I mean, that that level of detail. I have never noticed that. I will, I will have, I will go back and look at that. Um, the other thing about um, Amanda Pete is that she works as an auctioneer at Christie's. So, full yeah. disclosure, my wife worked at Christie's for almost a decade, um, uh, not long after this movie uh, came out, and I um, saw some auctions. Um, and I know about some auctioneers and they would never let anyone this age <laughs> auction. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, it was just like, we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to go after movies because they don't get everything in detail exactly right. You know, they need her to be, you know, um, prominent cultured. Yeah. With, wealthy, with, with the elite. Yeah. And, and it's, it fits the whole aspirational uh, aspirational thing, but the, but the actual auctioneers are usually British, old British dudes who have these great accents and it's never, it's not at all like a, you know, like a cattle auction. It's a much different kind of system. Yeah. She would be more likely Um, to be the proxy for someone rich on the phone. Yep. hundred percent. She's on the, she's on the phone on the side with, with a, with a representative for a, a, someone who's bidding, who doesn't even have time to watch or be anywhere near the auction. That's exactly her. That would exactly be her job. Yeah. Yep. And also if you, if you are, let's say, she, okay, she is an auctioneer there. Um, sure. Would it be appropriate to date people that are customers and like the way that Jack Nicholson talks about it of like, I bought the whole case of wine and you know what I mean? Like it just, you bought the whole sale. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that I'm sure I'm, I mean that, that, yes, that would happen in that world. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and to be fair, the, your people who are, who work at Christie's who are younger can take auctioneer training and, and run much, much smaller auctions. Um, but it wouldn't be the marquee stuff right. that it seems like that it seems like she's doing. So anyway, that's my little uh, <laughs> my little fact check. You come here for opinions, 
And I'm here <laughs> for facts about Christie's. That's that's why our audience yeah, loves us. I was just upset about the CPR that she's giving him mouth to mouth and breaths while he's actually breathing. Yes. Please don't kill him. (laughs) I, I, so much happened after that, that I, I had forgotten about that detail and I found that horrifying. Um, thank you for bringing that up and gross, right? Like if he was, if he actually needed mouth to mouth, like that would be a whole different scenario. Um, right. He yeah. he had a couple of looks. They were doing some real makeup work on him and and stuff, sweaty and 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 puffy and down on the ground. And you're just like, whoa, Jack, you're not. You're looking rough. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was too bad. That that is one thing. One fun thing about Jack Nicholson is that he's not afraid to look absolutely insane. And, that's uh, really true. And so that's that's occasionally fun. Yeah, it was just if he'd just been the crazy, insane grandpa instead of instead of the love interest. Yeah, um, I think I think I would have been down. Yeah, or like a yeah, neighbor, totally. right? The maybe you know if he <laughs> is this prominent, whatever he has the beach house next door, and they have a playful back and forth because you know he he sees her as you know, feminist, whatever that, that can't relax, can't have fun. And she sees him as this playboy bachelor. Like, like I could see where he could fit into a movie where Diane Keaton explores a romance with a younger doctor. Um, Right. I mean, the, 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 her movies don't have unified cores. They're about things without actually being about them. It It doesn't have anything really to say about, multi-age relationships it's just like this happens and this happens like this kind of relationship happens isn't this you know wouldn't it be funny if this happened wouldn't it be sad if this happened wouldn't it be it's it's not there's no sort of um uh sort of thematic unity about what's going on in the movie it's a series of interactions um and and so which, which you know would never would never advocate to my to my students. I try to have a unified, you know, core myself when I'm working on things. But Nancy Myers is just interested in, in the surface. In the she's it works at Christie's because it gets a certain thing. They're at the Hamptons because it it is a certain kind of demographic. He runs this like or co-owns this hip hop label. label. Um, is, I would as love a way- to see. Oh, I was going to say, I would love to see the remake where the the person that runs the hip hop label is actually um, maybe African American or something instead of a, a rich white dude owning. Even like it. saved I, the hip hop label. Oh, yeah, it's La La Land all yeah. over again. Tell me about yes, jazz, I, white boy. Yeah, it was, and there, the talk, the 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 conversation that they had about this is this is me coming from my angle, um, but but. The conversation that they were having about hip hop at the beginning was very dismissive and very reductive. And it was like, it's like, and, and maybe at that point in time there, I mean, that was the zeitgeist. That was, that was the, that was the feeling of, of rich white people who live in the Hamptons, that that's all right. it was. But I mean, when, when you have say, you know, Kendrick Lamar winning a Pulitzer prize for, for his incredible album um, that, 
that there is there is a poetry to it and a and a and a storytelling that that has done a great disservice by having Jack Nicholson running that label. I, I believe it was that scene in that little surely overpriced French market um, that I was texting Tobin. <laughs> A, a, a little bit fired up about my task to to watch that that film, um, this film, and so yes, that absolutely. I bumped on that. That rode me the wrong way. Along with, I, I think it might be the grossest moment, but um, in that store, as Amanda Pete walks away, and Jack Nicholson yes. has the ice cream cone in his mouth oh with God. his like oh old man polo and that just grotesque look in his eye. In yeah. front of the mother of the, yeah. I don't care who's at what age, but like just so Absolutely. openly disrespectful and disgusting. And and yeah. and Nancy Myers is, you know, hundred percent at fault there because she shoots Amanda Peet's behind as she walks away. Like that's the reverse shot. It's like the worst of, you know, it's just, it's putting us in his point of view, I suppose, but I don't want to be there. And it's just, it, it's it's wrong in all kinds of ways. I think sort of filmmaking ways, writing ways, performance ways. It's just that's a real that's one of the one of the gross grossest missteps I think in the movie. Um, you know yeah. they did miss a an opportunity back to an earlier point of David's to uh, not just because you said jazz. Not that it would be necessarily better in terms of race, but if he had an old, if he had a jazz, an old time jazz label, you know what I mean? Or like, and then they could, you could, then you could have the song and like, it could be, you could tie it in, tie it in that way. And at least it would be not dismissive in a way, as you say, that, it, that, that the movie feels like it's dismissing it, not just the characters right. in the, in it. That's, that's where I started to go. Ooh, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Right. And <laughs> like the profiting off of the art of a community you're not part of. I mean, it right, just, right. it's all too bad in that way. Did you catch that Jack Nicholson did the Love the Anne Rose during the credits? No. I thought it was, I thought it was uh, is Iggy Pop's cover of, of Love the Anne Rose, but but it's, it's Jack Nicholson. And, and as the credits end, it was I, wow. I was, I was paying attention to something else. And I was like, is that Iggy Pop? But I looked this up and, and it was like, no, it's Jack. And it was like, he, he could have done the same thing for, for something's got to give. It's, it's there, there is something to the, it's, it's been a joke of the Nancy Myers movies are all like random name title generators, <laughs> you know, like the titles kind of, and, and apparently in a lot of her movies, the title is one of the last things to come together. Like the marketing department kind of comes up with the title for the movie that she has made, mm-hmm. which is another indication that there's not a true thematic core to the thing, because if there were, the title would be there. Like it would be what the thing is about. Um, the, the exception maybe being the intern. Um, uh, so anyway, that's, uh, you know, on the Jack of it all. And then I'll, we can, I, I can be done talking about Jack. Um, I have there. Ladder Jack, I'm much less interested in, even the, in the Departed, which I which I think is a fantastic movie. I, I'm, you know, he's just allowed to sort of go all out. I think that's, it, I think it works in that movie given the sort of operaticness of that movie. But the, you know, that that early '70s run, um, I, well, all the '70s really, but um, 
that early 70s run particularly last detail and um cuckoo's nest um i mean that that era of jack for me that's those that's the jack i go back to mm-hmm. is that is that young young um anti-establishment jack where the um antics feel um, directed at the powerful um, as opposed to from the powerful in a way that, that is much uh, now is much less sort of effective. I think. That's, a, that's an excellent that's point. I, I like, it would be interesting to do look at the whole catalog and see if that is a switch, you know, mm. if that's a hard switch right. or a, a, um, or gradual, gradual, um, <laughs> I think if you had mentioned it already, what is the one that sort of started him on this track? As good as it gets. Um, good as it gets. Because that felt, I mean, I, I don't remember because I was a child, but it, in my memory, that is not a comeback, but but like a new chapter of Jack Nicholson. Um, and yet it said, became this like comfortable place that then, yeah, we see over and over again, which happens to a lot of people. It's not him in particular. It's his lazy boy then, and it's his armchair. I yeah. mean, because because in the early nineties he had um, he had uh, a few good men, um, which is maybe my the last I think great performance that he ever gave. Um, and then and then here's some stinkers in there. He did Hoffa after that and Mars Attacks. He's the president of Mars Attacks. And for whatever you think of the movies, he did Wolf after that with my oh, favorite my Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, yeah. So all real, real stinkers. So then it goes as good as it gets is a real uh, was a real comeback um, point, yeah. for him being sort of able to open a movie and have a big movie and win an Oscar and all that kind of stuff. So Anyway, Jack, 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 Jack. So, well, enough about Jack. <laughs> um, speaking of awards, though, so Diane Keaton won a Golden Globe. Yes. And and he was nominated, or did he also win? He. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I just I looked this up. I don't think he won. I don't think he did either, uh, but I feel like check. he was nominated. She, she, well, she was nominated for an Oscar. He was not. Good. Uh, and she won uh, Best Actress in the AARP Movies for Grown Up Awards, which is an <laughs> awards I love to check out. They, they together they won Best Grown Up Love Story. That's such uh, a which bummer. Is, which is a real bummer. And, I mean, <laughs> that is bummer. why I they would have played the blood pressure clip. Like I, yeah, I get again. Totally. I, totally. I, yeah, you knew who that's who that's aimed at. Yeah. And yeah. I and I like how that. <laughs> resonates or or is true to the complications of, of aging bodies but yeah as a love story yep. no thank you she she uh, she did so she won a golden globe and he was nominated okay. that that is the the final tally there i mean that sort of tracks for for me and my um relationship to the golden globes of like yeah this seems like a movie golden globes would <laughs> yes, jump on totally. and see they could get to show up Exactly. Exactly. R.I.P. or arrested not peace. Golden Globes. Indeed. So long. So long, sucker. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot more to say. Someone's got to give them. That's the end of my notes. That sounds good. Well, in that case, would you all like to play a game? Yeah. D- desperately. 
I mean, there are so many directions to go here. Um, so, so many. Um, it, and I did try to make something Keanu focused and, and it didn't work out, but I just do need to say that <laughs> I loved his, his work in this movie so much. It made me want to watch John Wick. And that's a huge statement wow. because I don't know near anything related to puppies not making it through the movie or super violent movies or any of that. Right. Or headshots and shit. Yeah. That's no, not your jam. That's how much I loved Keanu in this. And I was like, wow. I need more contemporary Keanu in my life. Perhaps I will just watch his scenes in um, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix. Um, I do love that <laughs> yes. cameo from him. I think it's choice. Okay. So we've talked a lot about how um, this movie in particular and Nancy Myers more broadly is quite aspirational. Um, I, I think it's well known. I am a fan of the Housewives franchises that are built on aspiration. And so that's my wheelhouse. So I decided to take a left turn. And this game is called What Would Be Worse? I'm going to give you two scenarios. <laughs> and you're going to tell me which one would be worst. Meaning you would rather do the one you're not going to say. And then... Okay. I will award points as is my way just at my own will. So which would be worse talking to Harry about his life for 30 minutes <laughs> or hearing a family member engage in intimate time with a new partner for 30 minutes in, in a home. Which oh, would be worse? Wow. <laughs> oh god um oh god i'm gonna go with talking to harry for 30 minutes i i because i think we would go to places that would go even beyond where my family members and knowing this is this is none of my family my family don't listen beyond this. They're they're not they're not that great of lovers. So I'm I'd be okay. I'd be pretty vanilla. So 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 I'm gonna go with that. Okay, I like I like that answer. I I, I do. Tell That's me. good. Okay, I'm also gonna say talking to Harry for thirty minutes, but my answer for why is because I could like put a pillow over my head or some earbuds and like I could tr try and tune out the other thing. But if I'm, if, if you're saying I'm have to sort of sit there and talk with him for 30 minutes, I can't like run away. So yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree. I, I agree with you both. Um, my reason is different. Uh, as much as in this case where it has to do with the multi-generational piece, I thought it was yes, gross and disrespectful to be like, so vocal in someone else's home. That being said, I have a strong belief that you shouldn't wish bad sex or less sex or no sex on anyone. I think karmically, that's not a good idea. So sure. I, I agree that um, it would be worse to have to talk to Harry about his life. What, what about wishing bad or no sex on Harry? Again, I just, I'm not going to let Harry's okay. character 
change yeah. my moral compass. Okay. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. okay. You're, you're a better person than I. Question two. Being forced to nurse Harry over a weekend at your home or being forced to wear a turtleneck for two weeks straight day and night. <laughs> um, I used to wear a turtleneck all the time. That, that was you? no problem for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, <laughs> I, I'm much better now. I feel, I mean, I, you know, mentally, but I, I did wear a cape to an audition at one point in time. I didn't awesome. get called back and that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so I went through my turtleneck phase. That would, I, I mean, you know, it gets hot, but. Yeah, you'd be fine yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. I think I would rather nurse Harry for a couple of reasons. One, because I like a good turtleneck, but I would get so hot at night. I don't think I could handle that sleeping in a turtleneck. The other thing is that if he were enough of an invalid that I had to take care of him, I could, I would, I wouldn't put up with a lot of the bullshit. Um, Absolutely. As, as much. Right. So that, that's what I would, that's, that's what I would say. As what about yeah. you? No, I agree. Um, I, I absolutely, I mean, I wrote that cause I absolutely cannot wear a turtleneck. I it just <laughs> all day. I would be, it would make me so uncomfortable. Um, that I would also rather nurse Harry. My hope would be there would be some medication to help him rest. Um, if not, we could find some. Exactly. <laughs> like here. Get Keanu, get Keanu to prescribe something. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm, I'm writing the sequel right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Question number three of five, just so you know where we're going. Okay. Would you rather have a sex partner in common with a with one of your parents which narrowly avoided here right that yep, Diane sure. Keaton and Amanda Pete would have a sex partner in common or be treated by a doctor that you've been on a date with prior to them being your doctor so a little bit of um you know yeah. the girls scene where uh Lena Dunham goes to the ER and it turns out the doctor is a guy that she had a, a, a one day stand with. So which would be worse? Oh, um, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, sharing a partner. Um, um, one, because I'm, I'm, I'm down for any sort of embarrassment with, with my doctors. Um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm just, that's, that's as far as I'll go. Um, sometime we'll, we'll go deeper into why. <laughs> yes. I think it's a strong answer regardless of the reason. Tobin, how about you? I am going to uh, agree. I can't wrap my brain around that one. So, um, and yeah, I have, feel like I have a fairly healthy relationship with the medical community that has been taking care of me in various ways. And I, yeah, so yes, I would say that. Yeah. I have four doctors and I would rather go on a date with any of them uh, <laughs> rather than have an overlap or, um, or something in common that way. And I did, I did write sharing 
And then I crossed it out and I said, have in common, because I wanted to be clear. I wasn't suggesting an incestuous threesome so much as an intergenerational whoopsie daisy. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Would you rather live on the beach, but not be allowed to walk on the beach? It's visual only. You can't leave that house on the beach or be a successful playwright but your obnoxious ex-partner has to direct every production. (laughs) This is a great question for the two of you specifically. Oh, Um, I can, I can handle uh, looking at the beach, Um, but the the obnoxious ex-partner directing my plays, are they good at it? Is it worth it? I mean, and that's, they're your ex-partners, so I would say that's up to you. Um, I have to deal with my own hypothetical ex-partner. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, I got to agree. I got to agree. Whether it's uh, uh, someone, an uh, ex-partner you've created or any of my ex-partners, I'd rather look at the beach and not be able to walk on it. <laughs> I agree with the exception of one which is a very good friend of mine and patron of the podcast on Flynn could direct anything I wrote because we are friends before we've been friends after. And, um, and so I would not consider him obnoxious currently. And we appreciate his generosity. We appreciate his generosity. (laughs) Love you, Sean. Shouldn't have even said that. It's ongoing generosity. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then finally related to one of the parts of the movie that, Um, irritated me the most would you rather or sorry which would be worse apologizing to all of your exes or having all your exes call and apologize to you um uh oh um i guess apologizing just apologizing that's would be worse or receiving would be worse? Apologizing would be worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with you on that one. I mean if, if I I I can I can forgive someone who apologized this to me, but I'm just like it's it takes it yeah. Although I have considered it occasionally just going, everyone I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yes. whatever I was doing, I'm sorry. For all of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 We'd like we'd all like to take this opportunity to apologize <laughs> to all former yeah. partners. No, like, I, 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 I go the opposite. Um okay. because if it was like Harry's then I'm not interested in. I'm sorry for anything I True. did that was shitty. Or if you took right. like that's again big fan not of the Housewives apology. franchise. There's a yeah. very specific Housewives apology that's like I'm sorry if you were offended. Yeah, kind of thing. And um, while and, and I can think of amends that I would um, make in a sincere way that I feel like. Um, I could stand behind, but I'm not interested in a, sh- let's be clear, a short parade, but like a short parade of phone calls. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. So I think we're all winners. 
Hooray. Yay. Points all around. <laughs> Points all around. Um, listeners, if you'd like to weigh in on any of these, which would be worse, please feel free to tweet at the contenders um, on Twitter and let us know where we went wrong with these important life choices we've made here tonight. <laughs> Thanks for the game, Isla. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Now is the point in our podcast where we sum up what we've discussed here today and share our closing thoughts and decide whether this movie is progressive or regressive. Is Something's Gotta Give a step forward or a step step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? I'm so curious what you have to say about this. Isla? So, Tobin, because of what you've shared and your love and respect for the Myers oeuvre, I feel free to say I do not find this progressive. Um, while I I love that Nancy Myers has been able to write and write and direct a lot of movies, which is not an opportunity given to very many women. Um, I just, I don't, I'm not going to advocate that you show this to my niece, right? I'm not going, there's not an example in this that I really hang on to and feel like, yes, that is moving the discussion forward. That is, um, we have all benefited from this being in the world. I think we have talked about the parts that, that we enjoyed or performances we were delighted by. Um, I have respect for the folks who put this together. And as it sits as a piece of work, I do not find it progressive. Thank you. Very, very well said, uh, David. What about you? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow Eisley, but, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to be as, as um, eloquent on it. Um, but, uh, but I, I agree that I think, I think it's awesome that Nancy Myers is making films and is directing films and writing films and and doing that and 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 the people that are working in the film. Um, it's great, but it. It very much felt to me like a film that was playing in um, a world that was in existence before. It's not pushing forward. It's not moving, moving. It's not moving the piece forward. So that's well said. Yeah. Thank you. It's very, very, very eloquent. I think um, this is a little harder for me, uh, but I agree. I don't think the fact that the movie exists outweighs what the movie is and the movie itself is, is not a step forward. Um, Nancy Myers, I think is, is a step forward. The fact of her, not the fact of what, of of the movie, Uh, but I'd like to use the remainder of my time to, um, (laughs) to celebrate her production designer, uh, John Hutman. And I want to give you just a few John Hutman. So production designer, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the person on a film who oversees all of the like physical, stuff the sets the costumes the all uh, the art department oversees all the look of the movie so it's a very important job in nancy meyer's movie his first movie as a production designer was heathers oh wow i'm just going to run through some highlights now we have little man tate which which we love we love love Foster. we should do little man tate very gothic um uh, a river runs through it important to those of us who are montana um french kiss 
Uh, oh. Another one of our mother's favorite Another movies. Addington classic. <laughs> there's the Criterion Collection, and then there's the Lindsay Addington Collection. <laughs> yes. That would be a marquee uh, title in the Lindsay Addington Collection, for sure. Um, the Pilot for the West Wing, a show that was on in the 90s and 2000s. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, so <laughs> that's where you've seen his name the most pop up on in the credits. Uh, and then just a, just a couple others. In addition to the Nancy Myers movies, we have Coyote Ugly. <laughs> Another favorite of Islands. That's why I bring it up. Uh, and the upcoming being the Ricardos, uh, the Aaron Sorkin, uh, uh, Lucille Ball uh, movie with uh, Nicole Kidman. So uh, uh, John Hutman, uh, hats off to you uh, and your production design, which I think is maybe the second best part of this movie after Keanu. Oh, fantastic. David, thank you so much for being here. Um, what, what would you like folks to know about you? Are you on social media? Are you engaging with folks that way? Do you have work out in the world you want to point us toward? What, um, if people want more David Mills Low, where do they go? Um, well, they can go to my LinkedIn page and they can give me a job. <laughs> I'm, currently, I'm currently looking for work. Um, and uh, I, I do have a, a davidmillslow.com uh, a website that, that has stuff on it. And that I've got uh, some various social medias. I deleted all of my social media accounts so that I could finish grad school because I was doing two degrees at once and it was insane. <laughs> and so I Crazy. took eight months off, just deleted everything. And then, and then went, Oh crap, I can't tell anybody I'm doing a thesis show. Hey everybody, I'm back. And so, <laughs> and so I do have, I do have a, a, a small presence on, on, on Facebook and whatnot again, but I don't do Twitter. It, um, it, uh, uh, uh it offends my sensibility as an introvert. I feel like I'm screaming about myself in the dark, and uh, and I've 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 got other ways to do that. I go and sit in the dark room and scream at myself that way. I I, I hear that that resonates. Um, and if I wasn't again bullied into it, I, I wouldn't be there either. Um, speaking of which, Tobin, where can folks find you? I've deleted Twitter from my phone, so. I only look at it once in a while on my computer and it's been another thing you have common with our mother. <laughs> yes. Um, so by all means, reach out to me on, on Twitter. I will see it maybe once or twice a week. Um, uh, I'm thinking of going back to Instagram. I don't know. I haven't decided, uh, but I am sort of enjoying not having any, uh, any other. So yes, anyway, Tobin at Tobin Addington, all one word. Uh, you can come say hello to me there. Eyes on about you. I am also um, a couple times a week on Twitter at SassyNerdMT. I mostly just like other people's things. Um, and I I am ready to start an Instagram. So I have a much younger friend and colleague who's going to guide me in that endeavor. Um, so maybe in July, I'll be able to uh, give those, those details because they don't exist quite yet, but they're forthcoming. Better late than... Well, not not better late, but late. Very, very exciting. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at thecontenderspod.com. Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above, Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. I also wanted to give a shout out to a couple of special listeners, um, new listeners, uh, Danielle, 
who is a new friend, has a sister named Nicole, and Nicole has been listening. So thank you so much, Nicole. I believe Danielle has also, but she pointed out to me that Nicole is listening. And then also uh, my good friend Penny, who I've mentioned on the podcast a few times, um, has recently gone through the back catalog of contenders and found out that she was uh, shouted out. So <laughs> I'm doing it again. <laughs> well, now I'll know how where she is in um, the timing of things because she'll let me know when this one happens. So shout out to Danielle, Nicole, and Penny. Thank you all so much for listening. We also have a surprising number of listeners in Denmark. So if <laughs> if you're our Denmark fans, uh, thank you for listening. We, oh my we gosh, love please. We love it. <laughs> please um yeah, get in touch with us. I love I love a Danish person. Please get in touch. We'd love to um hear your perspective. Hey, there might be a film or two from another culture that we are not yet aware of. So um let us know. Yeah. You can find us. Recommend at contenders underscore pod on Twitter. Um, folks, please go to T public, search the contenders podcast and get that merch. I have a sticker on my work laptop, um, which I was excited that I could adorn that way. Tobin has a sticker on his laptop. Um, I've used the tote bag. And of course, from time to time, I wear my contenders t-shirt as well. So um, please, they're all such great quality things. If they were crappy, I wouldn't suggest you get them. Oh, there's David's sweatshirt. I love it. So please check it out in Public, the contenders podcast. Only the coolest kids have contenders swag. So get yourself some. Uh, we here at The Contenders are proud members of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me, and you can keep tabs on all the Cage Club happenings on Twitter at Cage Club Pod. As always, thank you so much for listening. I am Tobin Addington. I'm David Millslow. I'm Islan Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Costume design, Beth Rubino. Nope. Set direction, Beth Rubino. (laughs) I knew you'd smell good. It's just soap.